thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Who's had enough sleep? <laughs> okay. Anyone put the clocks forward two hours because somebody else had already done it? You know? it Surely it's impossible in this day and age when I think your phone and all your devices, anything that's connected to the internet goes ahead, yeah? So whose car is right on the time for the first time in a year or seven, nine months? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've had an eight-year-old this weekend because Ros and Debbie and Shirley have gone away on a ladies' retreat and um, Carol as well. And uh, I've had an eight-year-old since Thursday night, who on Friday morning decided to get up at half past five. And uh, I said, what are you doing up? I heard this noise. I said, what are you doing up? He said, oh, the cockroaches woke me up. I said, do you mean the cockerel? He said, yeah, that's the one. So I'm just relieved that there's no cockroaches in his bedroom. Otherwise, I was going to have real problems. But... um, yeah, I, I've got 20-year-olds, really, and a 16-year-old who's fairly, fairly good at just amusing himself. Well, sometimes not good at amusing himself, but uh, fairly good at just getting up and getting done. So to go back to an 8-year-old is a little bit of a culture shock. So bear with me. Um, any, any, who's got a grasp of the French language this morning? Jeff Chad has, obviously. Okay, because my first joke is French. So if you don't know any French, you won't think I'm being funny. Okay, but why do people in France only have one egg for breakfast? Jeff, Chad? Because in France, one egg is enough. Okay, because the word, do you get it? The word for, the word for egg is enough and egg. So in France, one egg is enough. It's quite funny, isn't it? Yeah, okay. So yeah, I blame that joke on my tiredness, okay? <laughs> but uh, yeah, one egg is enough for an earth. And this morning I want to talk about enough. And first thing I want to say before I even look at the Bible passage and even talk about what God says, is every single one of us in this room is enough for God. You are enough. You are not an egg. Maybe you're a good egg. But you are enough. Don't ever have that voice in your head saying, I'm not good enough. Because God says you are. Because if you say you're not good enough, you're saying God's a liar. You're saying that you weren't worth Jesus. But God said, I love you so much that if you're the only one here, I would send Jesus. But I want to focus on enough. Maybe some of us are here today and we've had enough. Yeah? We can say it in two different ways, can't we? I can go to an all-you-can-eat buffet and go, oh, I've had enough. Or I can be looking after children and go, I have had enough. (laughs) Two very different meanings, exactly the same word. But this morning, maybe you've come and you're thinking, I've just had enough. I've just had enough. Everything is just too much. Maybe some of us today have hearts that are full because we are content 
with the enough that we have. And that's Paul's message throughout the New Testament is to be content is to have enough of God. And whatever the circumstances, rich or poor, ill or well, he is my contentment. His grace is enough. Maybe some of us today are in a place of more than enough in terms of provision and contentment. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up whether you've had enough, you're quite content with enough, or whether you recognise you've got more than enough. But this morning, God gives the same to each one of us. And he is enough. Not only are you enough, he is enough. So if you forget everything else I'm going to say, just remember that joke and remember enough and God says you're enough. Okay, but let's have a look at something amazing about the grace of God. We are doing this short series as we go towards Easter because Easter is all about God's grace and God's mercy. It's all about his goodness. It's all about everything that he gave through Jesus on that cross so that we could have life and have it to the full. So that we have full, enough. Amazing. We need to just recognise at the start that his grace is enough. It's enough to provide what we need. It's enough no matter what storms life has around us. It's enough whatever our inabilities and illnesses. It's enough when we are able to work or whether we're not able to work or do what we believe he has called us to do. So we're going to look at two short passages this morning. The first one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 to 10. And it breaks in in the middle of Paul telling the Corinthians a little bit of testimony about seeing God and the glory of God and the visions of God. But we just want to focus in on these four verses. Connect groups will probably look at the previous five this week as well. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 to 10. I'm going to read it in the NIV. If you haven't got a Bible, it's on the screen. And if you keep the verses on there, some of the time that's fine in booking, especially verse, uh, especially verse 9. Okay. Even if I should choose to boast, this is Paul speaking, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient enough for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Why do I delight in those things? For when I'm weak, I am strong. There was a story I read this week called More to Follow. And it's a story of a large sum of money that was given to a man called Roland Hill. And he was given this large sum of money to give out and dispense, particularly to a poor pastor of a church. This isn't about me, okay? I'm not asking for money. A large sum of money given to dispense specifically to this poor man of God. Thinking that the amount was far too much to send all at once, Roland Hill thought, 
I'm just going to forward a portion. I'm just going to give a small amount of the whole cost. And I'm going to give it with a note. And that note said on it, more to follow. So, in a few days, the pastor received another envelope containing the same amount and with the same message, more to follow. And through regular intervals in his life and his ministry, there came a third and a fourth and they kept coming along and continued with those words consistently, more to follow, until eventually the entire sum had been received. There is always with God more to follow. This week in our Connect group, it was a privilege for those of us on a Tuesday night to hear Gerald share. He's not here this morning. I was going to ask him to give a little bit of a, just a reminder for those of us who were there. But Pastor Gerald, who was the chicken thief, those of you who, who, who came on the Sunday morning, he shared his story. He shared of how he went against, actually, what his dad would want for him. His dad wanted him to be, is it legal? He wanted to study law. Is that right? So I'm just looking at Carol, because Carol, Carol's his wife. She'll know. I could have got you up to tell the story, Carol. Um, His dad wanted him to go into law, but he felt a real call from God to go into church ministry. So his dad went, right, well, I am not funding this. I am not prepared to see you throw your life away when actually you you could be a top lawyer. You could earn lots of money. You could do all those things. I'm not prepared to see you do it. So Gerald went to seminary, as they called it, and uh, he just didn't know. The first, after the first year, he thought, I'm going to have to drop out. I haven't got the money to carry on. I can't do this. But I recognize God has called me to do this. So if I don't do this, I feel I'm going against God. Anyway, the next thing he knows, somebody paid his college fees. And then actually, the next semester, somebody paid his college fees again. And this kept happening until he'd completed his studies. And do you know, how old is he now, Carol? 35. When did he finish his studies? I'm testing you this morning. Sorry? About 2014. So nine years ago, and Gerald still does not know who did that. Gerald does not know who did it. But do you know what he does know? There was always more to follow. And he knows that when you're called by God to step into something and God clearly calls it, even though it seems madness to other people, God's grace is enough. God will provide. We have got one person's story, but you know there are loads of stories in this church of similar situations. There is always more to follow. His grace is enough. When we are in need, we trust him. A bit like going to bed. Who... When you get home from a holiday or a hard day's work, who's ever just stood at the bed and just gone? Anyone? Yeah, am I on my own? Maybe some of us are worried that the bed's not strong enough, you know? When Roz was pregnant with Joel, she she went very large, and uh, she broke the bed with all... She would admit this, I'm not speaking out of turn, okay? Joel was a big baby, weren't you? He still is a big baby, but anyway... (laughs) Joel was a big baby, but actually, Roz went really, really wide and really, she was like, no, was it Violet Beauregard in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? But she wasn't Violet. 
And she sat on the edge of our bed one night and broke it. We'd only had the bed a year. And scholars came to look at it. And I think the man looked at me with some suspicion and went, what have you been doing? But I said, it's just my wife sat on the edge, honestly. He's like, mm, yeah, really? And uh, they fixed it for us. But there's something about it, isn't there, of just falling back onto that mattress. Yeah? If you've not tried it, go home and try it. If you break your bed, that's your problem, not mine. But trusting God is like throwing all your weight backwards on that mattress, knowing that he will support you, he will catch you. He will take all our weight as we throw it onto him. Why? Because he is enough. He is enough. C.H. Spurgeon said this, when God forgives our sins, there's more forgiveness to follow. He justifies us in the righteousness of Christ, but there's more to follow. He adopts us into his family, but there's more to follow. He prepares us for heaven, but there's more to follow. He gives us grace, but there's more to follow. He helps us to old age, but there is still more to follow. Even when we arrive in the world to come, there will still be more to follow. Why? Because he's enough. God's grace is good enough. Paul in this passage talks about a thorn in his flesh and he uses some language that we would look at and go, that's a bit strange, but the, the, the Jews of the time would understand it. It's how they spoke. If there was an obstacle, if there was something that led to suffering, they recognised that it was something that was against God and hurtful to them. So if you get a thorn, what do you do? Pull it out. So you get, you get it out. You get your fingers if you can. If it's big enough to pull, you can pull it out. If you need tweezers, you get the tweezers, you do that. My mother-in-law, she sometimes puts a little compress with ointments in. Don't know, it's a bit weird to me, but it works when it's happened. Maybe you can ask a friend to help you. Or if it gets really, really bad, and you come to church where your GP comes, you could speak to them and say, could you get it out for me? Because if you want to try and get hold of them, there's not a chance. <laughs> ladies, when you came to Ladies' Day, you missed a real opportunity. Sarah Richardson was here all day. You could have just done a little, you could have had a little surgery, okay? I love Uche coming here, because Uche's at my doctor's as well, and I can just go, I've got three, I get three opinions. I've got Unmil, I've got Uche, I've got, I've got all of them. I say, what's wrong with this funny lump on my head? I say, is it my brain trying to expand? But they say, no. <laughs> it's just a fatty lump. <laughs> I've been called that before. <laughs> I like the R over there. Thanks, Marie. <laughs> there was only Marie that felt any sympathy there. But... So what is that thorn in the flesh? What's Paul talking about in this letter? What is he on about? Paul suffered from something that sometimes stopped him from doing what he felt he needed or felt called, or felt he should do for God. Paul suffered with something. We don't know what it was. There is lots of speculation. There's a lot of thought that it could have been his eyesight. There's a lot of thought that suggested it could have been something like epilepsy. There's something that suggests it could have been um, a struggle with temptation. But we don't know. All we know is Paul had a struggle that stopped him from doing what he felt he should do. Any of us relate? Okay? Only three of us. That's encouraging this morning. The rest of you, I'll tell you what, next week you're going to come and share how you don't have any struggles in life. 
Is that okay? Because you can then tell us all how that happens. Come on, join in, people. Otherwise, I'll pick on you. Okay. It doesn't matter what the struggle is. What matters is Paul wrote about it and said it was hard, that things were not easy. It was painful. It felt like it opposed him doing what he should be doing for God. That's why he brings Satan into it. He felt that it was opposing to what God wanted him to do. It tormented him. I've had three nights with an eight-year-old. I can sort of know how he feels. I'm joking. I'm sure. Does that sound like anything we have to face? Something that torments us? It might not be every day. It might be just on and off. It might be occasional. It might be something that just will not go away. Joe, you know, people misquote the Bible. They say, oh, God won't give you more than you can bear. doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. So stop quoting it, because it doesn't say it. It says he won't tempt you more than you can bear. That's very different. There'll always be an escape route when you're tempted. That's what it says in that passage. But he will be with you in what you have to bear. Why? Because his grace is enough. It's enough. Knowing that he is with us in the thorn is enough. So what was Paul's response to his problem and situation? What's your response to your suffering or problem and situation? Go to bed, okay? We said with the splinter, you get it out. You use something to take it away. Or you go to a friend. Paul pleaded with God. He prayed. And he prayed, take it away from me. God, stop this from happening. God, remove it. Anyone ever said that prayer? God, take it away. God, stop it. God, don't let me go there. You know, Gaz has started the Monday to Friday prayer. Have you got the sheets? Sorry, everybody. And Gaz has put together a little sheet about why he is so passionate about prayer. Double-sided. Something to read when you go home. He wants us as a church to become a church that is powered by prayer. Not so that God takes the thorns away, but so that God's will be done. And his kingdom come now. Because that's what the promise is. His kingdom is available now. And it lives in us. Because his grace is enough. So if you want to be... Curious, Gaz and Russell started this prayer group Monday to Friday, one till two every day. Not everybody can come, but you can pray in other places. Get one of these off Gaz, read it, and be encouraged to pray wherever you are at those times. Sunday night prayer, to, to plead with God for our town, to plead with God for his church, to plead with God. So get one of these off Gaz before you go. If we need more Gaz... We'll print more off. <laughs> a pound each, did you say? Yeah, okay. They won't take it if you say that. Okay. But for Paul, his response to his suffering, to his situation, to his thorn, was to pray and say, God, take it away from me. And each time it says, God's response to him is the same. God, take it away from me. God's response, my grace is enough. Because my power is made perfect in weakness. God, take it away from me. My grace is enough. 
because my power is made perfect in your weakness. God, take it away from me. My grace is enough because my power is made perfect in your weakness. Who here wants to pursue weakness? No one? Oh, okay. Phil goes to the gym next door at silly o'clock in the morning. And Phil is 50 years old this week. Ooh. But I think he looks at least 49, personally. I went to the gym with somebody a few weeks ago. Now, when I go to the gym, I tend to run if it's raining outside and I don't want to get wet. And then I'm swimming. So this shirt is now fitting me a little bit better than it was, which is good. But this guy said, you need to do some weights. You need to do some, some weights. I said, well, I've done the machines before. He said, they're no good. Those machines do it all for you. He said, you need to do some weights. So I spent an hour with him pursuing a few lifts and things. And do you know what made me really sad? Some of them I had to not even put any weights on the bar because I felt so weak. And he was asking me to do things I've never done before. And I'm like, oh, I've got a bad knee. I had an operation 15 years ago, so it's a real struggle. And oh, I slipped a disc about four years ago, so oh, I've got to be careful. I made excuses, but I felt weak. And you know, the day after, I felt really weak. <laughs> I, I had pains in places I didn't know I had pain. It's not a thing I want to pursue, but what does God say? My power is made perfect. In weakness. What does that even mean? Some of you will have heard of Nicky Cruz. Nicky Cruz, if you've never heard of Nicky Cruz and his story, it's told in the book Run Baby Run. It's also told in this book The Cross and the Switchblade, which is written by David Wilkerson. But here is a little bit of Nicky Cruz's testimony. Nicky Cruz was the leader of the toughest gang in New York City. His parents were Satanists and abused him brutally so that he grew up as a hard man, a void of love and full of hate. This is what he says. I wanted to do to others what my mother did to me, said Nikki. I used to feel good when I hurt some people, but privately, he didn't feel good. Privately, when I was alone, Loneliness became like a seductive woman that crawled inside my chest and ate me up. I was there twisting and fighting. I felt so lost. And only two people saw the desperate condition of Nikki's heart, as well as God. One of them was a psychologist who he went to see, and the psychologist told him about five times, there is a dark side, Nikki, in your life that nobody can penetrate. Nikki, you are walking straight to jail, the electric chair and hell. There is no hope. That's an encouraging psychologist. That's were the words of a professional looking at his situation. The other one that recognised the condition of his heart was the pastor David Wilkerson, who risked his life to tell Nikki there was hope. I heard his voice says Nikki. David Wilkinson shouted, God has the power to change your life. So I started cursing loud, says Nikki. I spat in his face. I hit him and I told him, I do not believe what you say. You get out of here now. Nikki never expected what he heard Wilkinson to say next. 
David Wilkerson, this pastor on his own in the middle of a dangerous situation, replied, you could cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay each one of them in the street and every single piece will still love you, Nikki. Wow. How could David Wilkerson stand there and say that? Because in that circumstance, with that thorn in his flesh that spat at him, hit him and hated him and cursed him and threatened him, God's grace was enough. God's love is more than enough. Not fighting back and matching spit for spit, punch for punch, but recognising that even if he was cut and hurt, God's love would still reach out for that young man. Nicky says this, it did damage, good damage in my brain and in my heart. I began to question and for two whole weeks I could not sleep because I kept thinking about love. Nicky and his gang showed up at one of Wilkerson's rallies and one by one they gave their lives to Christ. It was the crucifixion, Jesus' death on the cross that grabbed Nicky. I was choked up with pain and my eyes were fighting and tears became to come, began to come down and more tears and I was fighting them but then I surrendered, says Nicky. I just let Jesus hug me and I let my head rest on his chest and I said, I'm so sorry, forgive me. And for the first time in my whole life, I told somebody, I love you. The love Nicky got in return radically changed his life. When I had opened my eyes, says Nicky, I got a new heart. I'd been born again. I am a child of the King. You know, David Wilkerson didn't pray that the disruptive gang would leave. He didn't pray, or he might have done, that could I just God work with the easiest people? Could I just God work with the people that will just do what they're asked to do? His prayer was to show God's love, God's glory, God's power, even though he was one man facing the hatred of a whole gang. God's grace was enough, and his power was made perfect in weakness. Even if you cut me up into a thousand pieces, every single piece will still say, I love you. Jesus on the cross at the most crucial moment said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. His grace is enough. Why? Because he then gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. He gets all the love. You know, as a teacher, I remember some classes being set homework. Anyone here, a parent, remember their children being sent home with a project? Yeah? One project in year four, year four, so eight-year-olds, was to make an Iron Man, because they were looking at the book, The Iron Man. Did you do this, Peter and Donna? No? They must have stopped it by that point. Do you know, some of those projects that came in after half term, they were stunning. They were welded. They had electrical moving parts. They had flashing lights. They were absolutely perfectly jointed models of the Iron Man. They, they'd probably talk. Somebody had put a voice chip in one. I mean, you pressed a button and it said, hello, I'm the Iron Man. But who got the credit? 
the child that brought the, the, the thing in thought, look at my Iron Man. And do you know what? That child probably had done nothing. Who should have got the credit? The credit should go to the dad. I, or the mum even, sorry, that was very sexist. Do apologise. I was thinking of one in particular. <laughs> there is not a chance the child did it. I've been asked to judge painted Easter egg competitions and children in reception have brought in works of art that have been like da Vinci making a model of the Last Supper out of eggs. A four-year-old. If you asked me to paint an egg and model it, I would probably just make me. Because it's easy. Who gets the credit? Those children in reception that were making those models couldn't even wipe, write their own name or wipe their own nose. But I'm expected to believe they could model this incredible thing. Maybe I'm being harsh. But it was so, so clear which one's parents had done it. That is why his power is made perfect in my weakness. Because then it is so, so clear that my dad has done it. Because if it's all about me, then people will only see me. If it's all about him, people will see him. He will get the glory. You know, in, in marriage, his grace is enough. In singleness, his grace is enough. In parenting, his grace is enough. In barrenness, his grace is enough. At work, his grace is enough. In sickness, his grace is enough. In health, his grace is enough. And his power is made perfect in our weakness. Do you know, the message version says this, his strength comes into his own in my weakness. His strength comes into its own in my weakness. The Life Application Bible states this as we come towards the end. That just gives you hope. Three times Paul had prayed for healing and did not receive it. He did receive, however, things that were far greater. When we're praying for that thing to be taken away, maybe we should be waiting for the thing that's far greater. He received things that were far greater, grace from God, stronger character, humility, and the ability to empathize with others. In addition, this benefited those around him as they saw God at work in his life. God, according to his sovereign plan, doesn't heal some people from their physical ailments. We don't know why some do and some aren't. God chooses according to his divine purposes so that he is glorified. Our task is to pray and to believe in his grace, to believe in his goodness, to trust him. Paul is living proof that holy living and courageous faith do not ensure physical healing. When we pray for healing, we must trust our bodies to God's care. We must recognize that nothing separates us from his Love. Do you know, for Paul, his thought is temporary, but God's power and grace is eternal. The situation you're in today, the thing that you're struggling with, is temporary. It will pass. But God's power and love and his grace is eternal. It lasts Forever. He is enough. His grace is enough. As much as the thorn is right in front of you, fix your eyes above. Do you know, another use of the word enough is when you see people falling out and fighting and you want to put an end to it, yeah? 
and you say, enough, stop it. Anyone ever done that? Yeah, yeah, a few of us, okay. John chapter 19 says this, verses 28 to 30. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Enough. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus on the cross cries out, it is finished. Enough. It's done. Stop. Sin, get lost. Death, you're beaten. Enough. Quiet, all of you. Do you know, the words for it is finished can be translated in a different way. As well as it is finished, they can be translated paid in full. Paid in full. Jesus says enough. You go to buy a house without a mortgage? No, I'm a cash buyer. Ka-ching! Paid in full. How good would that feel? Paid in full. In Revelation 21, I'm not going to read this one, but the cry comes from the throne of heaven at the very end of the Bible, just after the picture of a new heaven and earth with no pain or no suffering. The cry from the throne says this, it is finished. Enough. It's done. Paid in full. Not because of what we can do, but because his grace is enough pays in full. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, that you would pay my debts. Today, are we struggling? Pray. Are we not struggling? Pray. If we might be struggling, pray. But hear this. God's grace is enough. His power is perfected in our weakness. God allowed Paul's circumstances to become so bleak, so dire, and so desperate that at times he felt as if he'd received a death sentence. From Paul's perspective, death appeared imminent. When you've had enough of the thorn that seems deeply embedded, come to the one who is enough and allow his power and glory to be seen. Why? So that we can boast in him and not ourselves. His power, not mine. If we feel weak, rejoice because then he's going to show his strength in it. If you throw your trust on him, then the answer is him. The message version finishes like this, and I finish the same. I quit. This is Paul's words. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now, I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. So the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Why? Because Christ has taken over. His grace is enough. This is amazing. 
grace. Let's pray. I just uh, want to invite the band up and we're going to finish with uh, a time of worship. We're going to start with a a newish song that we can sit and reflect to. But I want to say this morning, maybe as I've spoken, maybe you're one of those people that just feels you aren't enough. This morning, come for prayer because God says you are. Maybe this morning, maybe you've asked for things to be taken away or removed. Paul asked for that, but he recognised what he got instead. If that's you, then go for prayer. Maybe this morning you've never received the grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him to be part of your life. Then this morning, ask him. Ask him. If you're not sure what to do, go and speak to the prayer team and ask them to help you. Someone you trust. If you knew, you could trust all of them. (laughs) Honest. But let's pray. Father God, I just pray that we will know that you are more than enough, that there will always be more to follow. Father, I pray for our situations and circumstances. I pray for the worries that we have in life. Some of them may be huge, some of them may be small. But Father, let us say through them all that your grace is enough. And Father, when we think we are weak, may we rejoice in Christ and say that in my weakness, you are strong. May we point to the God who does it all, who's done it all, who's paid the price in full through Jesus' death and resurrection. So Father God, let us not be scared of our weaknesses, but let us embrace the one who is more than. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. If you want to go for prayer this morning, don't be embarrassed. Just while we're stood Maybe with heads bowed, we're going to sing and worship. The first song is unfamiliar. If you want to sit at any point, feel free. But I just want us all to stand so that it's not awkward Sorry for someone to, uh, to come and leave and go for prayer. This morning, if you feel God wants you to receive, then go. Don't be shy. People rejoice because actually going for prayer shows that we're reliant on him and not on ourselves. So let's worship and let's let's receive prayer this morning. Thanks, thanks.